So, five, four, three, two, one. Welcome everybody to a new episode of the podcast. I am your host, Frank, and today I am bringing you through the static. We are continuing the successful public speaking segment. Uh, I'm learning a lot about the passion I am developing. I'm going to see people that I see do a lot of what I want to do, speaking in front of large audiences, going through those motions, and realizing that having a conversation isn't only with one person. So I want to talk to people that have been in the game for a long time. And today I have somebody who's been in the game for quite a long time. So Terry, do you want to say hi? Well, hello there, Frank. Great to be with you today. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Um, so Terry is a public speaking legend. He's been around for how long have you been around, uh, Terry? 537,000 years, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so that's a, that's a pretty long time. It seems um, like that, but it's actually 35 years I've been okay, speaking professionally. Okay. So you've been uh, getting out and knowing it as a communicator, uh, bouncing around the world, 40 countries now and counting. Wow, that is huge. That is so amazing to me. And what's the biggest crowd you've got? Oh, gee, I don't, I guess if you count both those involved in this session and uh, around it'd be over 50,000 or so. So uh, something when you, because now today, the beauty is we're not speaking just to the group there. Remember, mm. I'm thinking of a group uh, when I spoke to, it was about 2,100 people there, but there was another 50,000 that were joining us uh, via remote. That's, and I think that's really the audience that we want to target today. Mm, yeah, because everybody's, everybody would rather be comfortable in their own home listening to the same content that they can dive into and they can be within the space where they can absorb the most knowledge where it's silent around them. Yeah, it's a valid option that sometimes we can't, we can't make it there. And when it's held in another country where it's very difficult to get to, it's nice to know that you can at least hear and be part of via the video uh, what's going on there. And I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for those of us who are professional speakers. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of which, how did you become a professional speaker? So bring us to the beginning. Bring us to baby Terry. Uh, where baby did Terry? Well, I was born at a very young age. And really? so, uh, yeah, and then I just kind of went through, but I was speaking all the way. I guess I remember the first time I did anything was in uh, third grade. Mm -hmm. uh, third grade, uh, we had the, in our school, they were uh, having us memorize the Christmas story from, I believe it's Luke 2 in the Bible. Well, now you wouldn't get that in a public school today, but wow. we did it back then, but I went through and memorized it. And then I stood up in front of our church later that, uh, I guess a couple weeks later, and just read it mostly from memory. The last two verses, or I forgot, so I had to pull that out and read that. But uh, I got started there. But professionally, I've been doing this when I got out of the MBA program. I was working with a newfangled thing at the time called electronic spreadsheets and showing people how to do it. I took cash flow statements that we had studied and, uh, you know, internal rate of return, net present value, all those kind of nifty groovy things they tell you in an MBA program and uh, put that together and started showing people how to do it and instructing and teaching. And that's where I started working, realizing the importance of communicating and giving people something they could really use. Mm. And I worked with a lot of uh, CPAs, a certified uh, public accountants, and getting a chance to show them how to use spreadsheets, how to take what they had been doing for years on a spreadsheet, just a green piece of paper, and writing it down. And I would say things like, look at this. You can change one number here and all the numbers change. I mean, that was a big deal back then. You know, I like to say many of those CPAs came dangerously close to actually having an emotion. It was something. <laughs> but so I started with that, showing people how to use something very practical. And then as the market changes and technology changes, I change and what people want, I've adapted and adopted new ideas, new technologies through the years. It just have a lot of fun. But the key is always provide what people want. 
Mm. Find out what they want, where they're hurting, how you can help them. To use an example of the spreadsheet, think about it at that time. That was a quantum leap ahead mm-hmm. to be able to put together something on this newfangled thing called a spreadsheet. They could change one number and they would see the result. That meant they could get a lot more results for their clients faster and a lot better and more accurate results too. That's superb. I love that. And uh, as you got more into newer technologies, now you're dealing um, with new technologies. Uh, you were ta- you were you were talking to me. It's not um, what is it called? Uh, blockchain. Blockchain technology. You're dealing with blockchain a little bit more now. So what are you doing within that realm? And how are you teaching people? Are you showing people the technology itself? Are you giving talks about it? Yeah, exactly. Blockchain is a way for us to keep things much more secure. It's an, also call, often called a distributed ledger. So that instead of putting all your information in, say, one computer, if you had a lot of secret information, let's say, Frank, you had uh, data and really uh, private information, you put it on one computer. If a bad guy figures out a way to get into that one computer, they've got what you have. Right, exactly. However, if you put it on several different computers and they're all correlating with each other and checking back and forth, then you've got a different uh, situation. Mm. It's a distributed ledger technology, DLT. Mm. And that distributed ledger means you've got copies of it over here all around. Oh, and by the way, like in the case with Bitcoin, it keeps changing every 15 minutes. So not only would you have to break in, but you would have to then connect and change all of them because they're all joining back and forth saying, wait a minute, is that correct? Is that correct? Is that correct? And it's really a way to find out what is true Mm. and what really did happen. That's what blockchain is all about. One of the use cases is, of course, with digital currency, Bitcoin being the most prominent. Mm -hmm. But we see many other areas where we can keep track of what's going on with uh, shipping goods, with legal agreements, with statements, with contracts, and it's being used enormously already there. And we see a lot more in the future that will be coming. So those are some of the things that I'm talking about now, how that applies to cryptocurrency, how it applies to business in general, and where we're going with that technology. Mm. So you've been doing some coaching as well. You've been coaching people on public speaking. You got involved in public speaking really early, but can you talk, delineate a little bit of your career path? So um, for me, you you recommended that I go see CAPS because you got involved in something similar to that when you were younger and it really helped you, you know, get immersed into that public speaking sphere, uh, really hone your skills, hone your ability to disseminate ideas, hone your storytelling. And just give us an overall track record of your career. What, uh, what made it so that you got experience fast? Yeah, you raise a very good point. CAPS, which is the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, is the Canadian version of the group I got involved with here in the States called the National Speakers Association, NSA. Not the NSA of the National Security Agency in Washington. They are the ones that do the listening. We're the ones that do the talking. And so the National Speakers Association, I heard about them after I'd been speaking professionally for about five years on my own. And it was good. I enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was doing a lot of spreadsheets and other technology, but I also realized I was making some mistakes and I'd try something that didn't work as well. And also sometimes speaking can be a very lonely business. Mm. You might think, why is it lonely? Well, you're in front of people. Yeah, but you're always talking to people and it's not really in-depth conversations any more than it can be. These are strangers you're talking to. But I wanted to talk with people who could relate to what it's like. And I was looking around for something and I just happened to bump into a person 
that I had admired for a long time. He was the co-author of some audio cassette programs through a company called Nightingale Conant. And he had put out a lot of tapes. His name, Jim Cathcart. And Jim Cathcart was speaking at the same conference where I was. I finished the uh, uh, programs that I did, and it was finishing up on a Saturday morning. He was doing the final presentation. I got there a little bit early, walked up, shook his hand. I wanted to meet him because I had seen his uh, messages. And I told him, hey, I've been one of the speakers here as well. All admired your work. Looking forward to hearing you today. And he goes, oh, you are a speaker? And I said, yeah. He said, are you a member of the National Speakers Association? I said, well, what is that? He said, here, let me write it down. And he wrote that down on a piece of paper with the phone number. And I said, thank you, I'll, uh, I'll have to think about this. And I realized uh, after he finished his presentation, which was very good, and I got ready to head back home, I realized I've got a decision to make. What do I do with this? Do I just put it aside and then go on the way I've been doing? Or do I get involved? That's the key. Do I get involved? And so I said, I'm going to do it at both the national level and at the local level. So I joined the National Speakers Association, but also at the time I was in Atlanta, Georgia, the Georgia Speakers Association, which is what it was called at that time. And I got involved. I got to tell you, Frank, when I walked in, they had us all talking about many different things. And they had those of us that were guests to stand up and talk. My heart was racing. I'm scared. I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be speaking to all these professional speakers. And what if I say something wrong? (laughs) But you know what? It went fine. We did it. And I created wonderful relationships with people, many of whom are still my friends today, many years later. And I've learned from the National Speakers Association. I learned a lot at the local level. Being there in a local chapter, which is why, Frank, I would encourage you, where you are, you're right there in the Montreal area. Yes, sir. There's a chapter for CAPS, the Canadian mm-hmm. Association of Professional Speakers, right there. And getting involved in that and at the national level could be really good. And that helped me to learn what to do. And then through the years, again, morphing, changing, and adapting, right. doing many different types of presentations. Speaking of which, um, you were talking about morphing, you, you know, you went from spreadsheets to blockchain, there's like a quantum leap there, like you said, so we want, we really want to make uh, a path for people to follow. So um, what was the mentality you adopted when you saw all this change coming? Because the degree to which things are changing with technology and everything is much bigger now than it was before. But yet you, you're still relevant and you're keeping yourself relevant by morphing and, and changing in the right direction. So how do you identify those changes that are going to be useful on the market? And how do you make sure that you use them well in the context of your public speaking? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think the key is to retain an insatiably hungry mind. Mm. And I'm just coming up with that idea right now, but it hit me. Uh, just that's insatiably hungry mind. Always wondering what's going on. For me, in technology, it has been changing all the time. So for me, I live with change. I live with things adapting and having to learn a new thing that's out there. But it's not just something that's new, something that's nifty and groovy. The geek in me, the nerd in me loves that. Oh, here's something really, uh, really nerdy. It's in geeky and all that. But it's got to be what people are ready, willing and able to pay for. Mm. So knowing what the market says is really critical. That means you have that insatiably hungry mind. You look at what people want and what they're really able to pay for. You find that. Now for me, going back to the spreadsheets, think about it. Roll it back in time to that moment. 
these were CPAs. These were people who did a lot with numbers. I also did a lot with banks. Mm. And uh, one of the presentations I did was to executives at some very large banks, including the uh, Federal Reserve Bank, the central bank in St. Louis, the wow. top people in there, because they knew they had to deal with numbers all the time. That must have been intimidating. Uh, actually, it was kind of fun. It was a little bit of, hey, it'll be fun to be with these folks. But I found, you know what? They breathe oxygen, just like we do. <laughs> I didn't test, but I think they have red blood. You know, and I'm thinking that uh, they, they were really, really nice people. I enjoyed being around them. But I found that what we've got to do is keep changing. And matter of fact, for those that are watching this, I would say to you, you're in an environment that I, I can't guarantee. I don't know what the future is, but I can guarantee you it's going to change. Oh, absolutely. And you're amazing. We're going to see things changing. You're amazing. you've got to keep adapting. You're amazing in that, like, you keep up with the change and I feel that that's how you stayed relevant but that's how you get all this high energy you know like the number one change uh, the number one constant in life is change it's always going to happen it's always going to be there and I feel that people that get stuck in their archaic ways really uh, they either make it or lose it you either lose uh, the extra fluff or you come in with the new stuff you know so that's really important absolutely you got to keep adapting and keep learning new Find out how to learn. One of the best skills you can develop is learning how to learn. How do you learn and retain information? Learn faster. One of the key things I did, I'm so glad a few years ago, I took a course called photo reading. Right. I heard about it and I uh, started working with that and learning how to read the jaded journalist. I'm also a journalist, so I've been writing for uh, papers and magazines uh, uh, most all my life. And I find that one of the things that we have to do is to uh, be a little bit skeptical. I heard that people were reading at rates of like 20,000, 25, 50,000 words a minute, 100,000 words a minute. The jaded journalist in me is going, yeah, right. Uh-huh. Sure. And you know, I look at that. They teach you that in journalism school, you know, uh-huh. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Well, I looked at it and I took a course myself, started getting into it and studying it and reading. And I thought, this is nice. I am reading faster. And not only that, but I'm remembering a lot more. I'm retaining more. I found other times someone, I'd get into a book and I'd read like a chapter and step back and go, what did I just what read? What did I just read? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, what is it? Photo reading helped me to say, okay, this is how you do it and start doing more. So that was a real big help. And then I studied some of the uh, areas about memory and how we can remember more and how to use associations, repetition, impressions, uh, associations, those types of techniques. And there's a whole lot more in that. But I would say whatever you're going to do in life, you want to increase the way that you can ingest more material faster, mm -hmm. both in written form and in audible form. And at the same time, realize what you can do to retain really important information that's going to be market valuable. Those areas where people say, hey, you can do that for us? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give you money for it. Think of a guy, a friend of mine, uh, Jason King. He uh, runs an academy where they train programmers. He's telling me that today, right now, today, the average programmer who's good, you know, average skills, starting at around $160,000 a year salary. Wow. And those who are really good can have literally millions. And they ha cannot find enough people. They've got jobs just screaming for people to come in and work. Well, if you could learn how to learn and you could pick that up, you could do well. I asked Jason, how long would it take? And it varies on the person, but six months to a year. 
really disciplining your mind and going after it, you can start learning the basic skills of programming in uh, key languages that people want. Learn those languages that are being uh, sought after right now. And that's just one example because a year from now it'll be something different and two years from now it'll keep changing. Mm. Learning how to learn is one of the most critical skill sets that you can acquire. Mm, absolutely. And, and, and keeping along those lines, what would you think are the top three skills needed to excel in public speaking? So learning to learn, that's applicable in all environments. You need to be able to learn because everything is changing all the time. That's a given. But as a public speaker, when you're on the stage, um, you, do you need poise? Do you need uh, contact with people? What do you look for in a good public speaker? Yeah, you need all those things. There's uh, hard to say only three, but I would say, yes, be able to learn because you want relevant information, but really focus on the audience. Find out what it is for them. People get nervous often when they're speaking because they're thinking, oh, gee, am I okay? Is my hair right? You know, I make sure my hair is right. By the way, I combed it just for oh, you. Yeah. Special oh, today. You like that? You combed the one hair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Do that. But we're thinking about ourselves, the intrapersonal communication versus trying to think about how we can help them. If you can focus on them, that will be good. Get skills on how to speak, how to tell stories. Uh, training uh, is really important on that. You can do it and learn on your own. I would recommend that you do as much as you can on your own, but really get some help. Find people in your area that can help you. And by the way, your area in air quotes is planet earth because oh, okay. today Small area. You do a lot. I'm doing a lot of training right now with clients around the world via zoom. The technology you and I are using right now, right. the quality of the audio and video has gotten to a level where it is really good. Now, it's best if you can be there in person, mm. but you can't always do that. And because there's people that are wonderful all around the world, now you get a chance to tap into that mm -hmm. because you have Zoom. So learn how to connect, learn how to tell stories, learning when to pause and when not to pause, how to make sure that your stories and the way that you speak are not looked at as something that's just canned. Because too many people stand up and go, hi there, everyone. Are you glad to be here today? Oh, I didn't hear you. Say it again. And people are going, you know, we don't want that kind of nonsense and crap. And what worked before, little tricks and techniques, you know, throw it out. What we want is someone who's going to be real, but also come across very professionally. That's the key. You want to make sure you're real, authentic, genuine, and professional so that you're coming across in a very professional way in that presenting that you're doing. I think those are some of the skills that are really, really important. That's an amazing answer. Um, and I think all those skills are relevant. I just tried down, uh, to boil it down to three things for the people that are listening. Usually they keep uh, information in threes. But um, to keep going on the subject of public speaking, how do you train your people? So depending, does it depend on the industry? Does it depend on their strengths? What do you look, uh, what do you look at when you're training somebody to public speak? Well, as an example, one person I've been working with, he is a, a developer, a brilliant, brilliant programmer and person working in the blockchain space with uh, ICOs, the initial coin offerings, doing things like that. He's going out and as he speaks, he's asking people to invest in their coin. Well, you've got to be really good because you're saying, hey, give me money invest in my cause because of this. And so what I've done is I've worked with him. And what I like to do is listen to the presentation that he has. Then we go back and find the strengths, the things that he's doing right that we want to amplify and other areas that might be able to be altered and changed a little bit to improve the situation. 
So it's different for each person. Some people are really, really good. I've got another client that is a professional in the healthcare industry, and I'm working with him right now to uh, fine tune and tweak. And he is an excellent public speaker right now but he wants to do even more of it. So I'm working with him. We're going to be getting together physically uh, with a meeting coming up later this month. We'll be uh, doing some uh, work there and we do a lot over Zoom. Lots and lots of coaching that way. So I would say it's really important, whatever you want to learn, find some good mentors, coaches who can help you to learn what to do, how to improve, and how to get better. That's why also, as I was mentioning for you, Frank, right there in Montreal, there's some wonderful people in the CAPS Montreal or Quebec chapter, I forget what they call it, um, but uh, that are really, really good and world-class speakers that you get to know them, they'll get to know you and be willing to put in the time, the money, and the energy to really learn from them. Mm. Yeah, and I'm finishing the semester, so it turns it turns out really well, you know. Like, uh, and I'm uh, you also told me that I should go into sales, and uh, I listened, so I'm actually getting an interview for a startup uh, in sales. Uh, Good for you. So yeah, I'm pretty happy about that. Thanks a lot for that, Terry. Oh, you bet. Because see, sales is one of the most important skills you can have. Mm. Whatever you do, if you're going to be a, a person who is a school teacher, you're going to be a person who's an engineer, a doctor, you are persuading others to embrace your ideas. And learning how to sell, learning how to help them to see their needs is one of the most valuable skills that anyone can ever acquire. Sure, I, I totally agree. But for me, it was not... not um, not wanting to sell something that I don't believe in. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I see a lot of people that uh, they get into sales and they're selling something and they're making money, but they're not necessarily selling something that they believe in and it feels disingenuous. And, and, and at the end of the day, I feel that I would feel like crap if I did that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure I would really like that. So I was waiting to get something that I really could believe in before I got immersed in that environment. Good for you. That is the way to do it. Because if you're going, oh, I don't like this stuff. It's a bunch of crap. Ugh, I don't like it. You're not going to be there. And also you feel like, hey, I'm hurting these people. Why should I sell them something that I don't believe in? You've got to passionately believe in it because you've done your research. You've done your homework to say, oh, this is a good product. This service is really good. And if you believe that and you've done your research, you know you're helping them. I think that's the key because really today, the new word for selling is helping. Helping really is the new selling. You're helping someone to make a decision, helping them to find out what is the right match for them, what they need. Not so much uh, saying a cute little trick or I'm going to say the phrases and stuff. That's how old. I mean, how, yeah, how 1950s. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to learn the little tricks and the, hey, do you want it on Tuesday or do you want it on Thursday? Yeah, you know, we'll do that. Oh, oh we only have three left and you got to come. At, well, we don't want that. We want someone that says, Really, you know, based on what you said, you want this, this, and this. This product over here could help in those areas. And not only that, but it'll also do this. And here's some examples of others that are using it. That kind of selling is really the way to do it. It's the most effective, and it's what the most successful salespeople are doing today. Hmm. I really enjoy that. And I, I find, too, that it's very true. And that word of mouth is super powerful. Um, in sales, especially, uh, you get recommendations a lot of the time through people that really enjoy your product. And I, I feel that that's super important. And you're right, like the archaic mentality of that salesman that comes knocking at your door with like this super fake smile, like, oh, do you want to buy my set of knives for uh, $99.99? And it's, it's like this pre recorded pitch, um, this yeah. lack of genuine connection. And just like, it, it just seems overall cold to me. That's why sales sort of became this. Um, 
toxic uh, term that people kind of want to stay away from. You know, you say sales to people, you're like, oh my God, sales, oh, that's bad. But yeah. you're selling yourself all the time, right? So uh, how do you sell yourself to other people? Obviously, you have uh, the experience and everything like that. So do you, do you just tell them what you've accomplished in the past? Do you use, do you have like a, a pitch that you give them? How do you work about that? Actually, I do not have a pitch that I use. What I like to do, and I feel like I've still got so much more to learn, but I've, what I like to do is to listen to them. Ask questions and listen. Find out where they are having problems. What is it their need is? So if someone wants me to come speak to a given place, uh, an audience, find out what their issues are. What are they dealing with? What kind of problems are they bumping into? I'm going to be speaking for a group. Uh, matter of fact, here in Orlando, uh, recently, uh, I got a chance to talk to them. The meeting is coming up later this year. And I'm asking them and talking to them about the issues that they are facing in their industry. They're going through some major changes, as most industries are. They've got some things they've tried in the last couple of years that aren't working, and it's a real problem. Now they need to adjust. So what I'm going to do is be able to weave in new content, new ideas, some new technologies that they'll be able to bring and give them the results that they will be able to use. So I like to do a lot of listening. I like the way uh, my friend Chris Brogan says, what we need to do today is to grow bigger ears. <laughs> we need to listen more. Mm. We need to listen to what people have to say. I think too many salespeople make a mistake in trying to do all the talking and say, oh, let me show you my thing. I've got my little pitch here. I want to give you my pitch. I've got to give it this. I, da, da, da. I'm going to read this. Let me tell this. No, I feel like with all due respect, shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Don't keep talking. That's the old uh, saying. You have two ears, two ears, two eyes, one mouth. That's the proportion. You mm. should use them. And I think, okay, what we need to do is to listen to the other people and then answer their needs. What we want and what I think is nifty and groovy doesn't really matter. What matters is what they are concerned about and where they have pain. Mm. Yeah, you really want to establish that need. Okay, I really enjoyed that. And, and uh, I'm actually going to have to go. But thank you for giving me your time today, Terry. I think it was an amazing discussion. Our listeners are definitely going to benefit highly from this. And I wanted to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me today and talk about your career, talk about public speaking, talk about sales, where, where it's headed, how to stay up to date with technology, and what makes a good public speaker. You bet. Frank, thank you so much. I appreciate you and what you're doing. And I know that you are going to go really far and you're already successful. I'm looking forward to seeing even more that from you as you get into all those analytics and the wonderful things you're studying in school and then you apply it with that. Wishing you the very best. It's an honor to be with you today. Thank you, Terry. Have an excellent day. Thank you.